0: You're now listening to Vices and Vultures, a podcast on cultures. What's going on, everybody? This is A2, and on Fridays, we'll feature regular guests who will share the cultures that they're passionate about. I'll let our first guest introduce herself and today's episode topic.
1: Hey everyone, I'm Anna Rose. I'm a certified professional dog trainer, and we're about to play back an earlier conversation that gives more information about me, what I do, and how I got to this point in my career with dogs.
0: So just give us an overview first of um, how you got into um, your love for dogs and just take us to the beginning.
1: All right. So, I mean, I pretty much was born with my love for dogs. (laughs) Um, uh, There wasn't really a time where I just like, I don't remember where it all started. It just was. And then, um, I mean, I started, I didn't own, I didn't have my own dog, like family dog until I was 13. So in an attempt to fill that like need for dogs, I started pet sitting and dog walking and, uh, and all that when I was 12, um, I was homeschooled. So I was able to just kind of like go around my neighborhood and just walk dogs throughout right. the day. So that was cool.
0: That's awesome.
1: Um, and yeah, it just kind of just kept building from there.
0: Right. So when did you see it as a career because you have it as a career now.
1: Yeah. Um so that was a little bit more like high school. Uh, I I didn't even really realize it was a career option for the longest time. Like I really mm-hmm. just thought that being a vet was like option 1, only option to like gotcha. as far as animal careers go and then I started uh I did an internship at a vet and I just kind of decided decided that it wasn't for me and then went on to look into different careers with animals. Um, And I just kept getting like, just kept going back to dog training because it just like kept drawing my attention and how dogs can just help people and how they're really such a part of our lives overall.
0: Right. And they have been such a big part of your life as well. So when you started to see that it was a viable career option, what was the next step after that?
1: The next step after that was finding how I could, Get like the best education I could. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And so I started looking into different schools and I found, you know, a couple like online schools and just different options and everything. But I kept like going back to again the Tom Rose School. And um, I just then was like, all right, I'm going to go there. (laughs) I was determined to go. And it's in High Ridge, Missouri. So being From New York, that was a switch up, but I actually worked at Petco for two and a half years and I was a dog trainer there and a manager and I just saved the money to go to the Tom Rose school.
0: Awesome. So how long were you at the Tom Rose school?
1: So I, the school program itself, so actually in classes and everything, uh, the professional program was 15 weeks and then the master program was another 10 weeks. Um, and then I wound up working at the school for about six months Um, so all told all that put together, (laughs) Mm -hmm. uh, I think it wound up being, uh, a year I was hanging around that place, but yeah, I mean the, the professional program and master program, I learned everything from basic obedience to competition, obedience, to agility, to protection dogs, um, search and rescue tracking kind of like you name it. And we touched on it in some way, shape or form, like any kind of dog training, um, we were exposed to it and we started, we sort of learned something about it. And then when I was working at the school, I was doing some of the business side of stuff too, which I really love business as well. Um, so that was cool to be kind of more involved in that. And then also working with some of the more advanced dogs and, um, kind of both sides of the business because they had the board and train side of the business that was kind of separate from, the school. So I worked with the students but I also worked with the dogs that like from the public for people that people brought in to, to just be trained in obedience and stuff.
0: Okay. So what would the difference between the difference between an advanced dog and um less advanced like what was well, the difference being for that?
1: For that. So for when we I was actually in school, we did work with the clients dogs that like that they brought them into the dog house was the name of the train board and train facility. So the students would work with those dogs, but the, some dogs would come in with like aggression issues or just like, they're just like tough dogs. Like a lot of dogs that like would need, yeah, exactly. So they would need kind of more, um, a, a more experienced trainer right. or someone who wanted to do protection work with their dog or they wanted to do competition work with their dog or something like that then you know i would work with those dogs
0: so how mon- how many years would it take for a dog trainer who's in- enrolled in school, so the school such as the Rose school to be qualified to take care of these advanced dogs
1: um it's not even really about an amount of time it's okay. really about experience like about how many dogs you work with and observe and kind of just the more dogs you work with, the more you're going to learn. Like I'm just, and it's one of the things I love about dog training is you're going to, I will continue learning right, and growing and just like for the rest of my life with training. Like I, there will never be a point in time where I know everything about dogs that there is to know and, and training.
0: So. Right. That's awesome. So once you finished at Tom Rose School and you were working there, what was the experience that you got after that, that brought you back here to New York?
1: Yeah, so so after the school, I worked at a board and train facility um, that did a lot of just boarding for just people's pets that just when they went on vacation and that kind of stuff. And then also did board and train and private lessons, group classes, all that kind of dog training stuff. So I did... Um, for this particular facility, we took the dog, the trainers took the dogs home with them so that we were like 24, (laughs) seven training with the dogs. Um, it was really awesome. I think it was a really like a effective way to train. Um, and then we also did like the group classes in at the facility. Uh, so I would stand up in front, front of the whole group and kind of coordinate the group classes. And then also the private lessons one-on-one with clients and their dogs and
0: Mm -hmm. that kind of stuff. So when there's a group session, is it a group session with um, owners and their dogs? Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Got gotcha. you.
1: So after I worked at that board and train facility, I went on to work for a another board and train facility that was half um, obedience training and then also half bird dog training. So I really enjoyed that because I got a whole nother like aspect of training that I hadn't worked in as much. I mean, I was the head obedience trainer there, so I did primarily most of the obedience, but I did the obedience for the hunting dogs as well. So it's a little bit more intensive. Um, they need like super solid stay commands and just like different kind of different obedience than just like basic pet obedience. Right. And then solid retrieve, solid recall, just a lot of, a lot of that and, uh, teaching them to, keep a bird in their mouth you know it's a whole oh, okay. different whole different oh volume. bird dog
0: yeah got it okay
1: <laughs> duck retrieving goose retrieving all that kind of stuff working with their
0: all right we're getting into yeah. the we're getting into dog jargon so I want to make sure <laughs> that everybody's listening they mm-hmm. just you know we have it for the every man and uh, every woman so that's awesome is there any other experience that you had um prior to coming back to new york and this was all in the midwest correct
1: yeah this was all in the midwest so a little bit of bouncing back between missouri and illinois um but yeah that's that was pretty much it after the bird dog trainer i came back to new york and um came back to long island and just started kind of building up on my own business here just so far basic obedience and private lessons but um big plans for for a lot
0: what brought you back beside just um you know, obviously New York is where you're from with family and things like that. But where, what brought, what else brought you back as far as like, I want to start a dog training career here because you were, you had been established at that point in the Midwest for quite some time. So what brought you back?
1: Uh, It was kind of a combination of things. I mean, overall I kind of just have always been an entrepreneur and I knew that I was like meant to start my own business and Mm -hmm. it kind of just made sense to come home (laughs) to do that.
0: That's good. You just felt like the safe is doing that, like where your roots were?
1: Yeah. And my parents had their own business for 20 years, me growing up, and they really like wanted to want to be involved in it as well. Um, So starting it kind of with them.
0: Okay. So when you came back here, it was just like from the jump, like starting it with mom and dad.
1: Yeah. And are
0: they still involved? Yeah,
1: definitely. I mean, they still have their own job separately, but eventually, yeah, it would be ideal if it's a family business.
0: Awesome. So jumping into, are there any rules that you establish as far as sitting clients down and saying, these are some of the main things that we're going to go over um, between client and dog trainer and dog?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, quite a few, honestly, (laughs) I, I really like feel like dogs are kind of misunderstood. There's this, we're starting to treat them more like people than like dogs. So I, I do a lot of educating people and then training dogs and then, Mm -hmm. uh, just building the relationship and the bond and everything. A lot of things are, are, with dogs are not even necessarily behavioral and they're more so relational. So we need to like just everything's case by case. So I go in and I just kind of evaluate and just take everything, take everything in and then say, okay, here's where we're going to begin. And there are like main principles that I work with that are, I learned from school um, and those are timing, motivation, and consistency. And with timing uh, we actually have 1.3 seconds to correct a dog after they act out of behavior, um, really m- just catch them in the act of what they're doing. Right. Like there's no, uh, after the fact punishment, um, that they're not going to understand that they're not going to understand like time out for, for something. Right. We can't sit them down and explain like, Hey, this is what you did wrong. Do you understand the consequence? You know, cause they don't speak English. Right. <laughs>
0: exactly. They don't understand. That, so but.
1: they need to be caught in the act of what they're doing. That goes for positive and negative motivation. So like if they're, getting into the trash, then catch them the act of it. Or if they're doing the right thing, then reward them in the moment as well.
0: Right. So 1.3 seconds. Yeah. 1.2.
1: <laughs> exactly. It's a bit scientific fact. Wow. Okay. Um, <laughs> and then, so that brings us into motivation. So I work balanced with both positive and negative motivations, starting with positive to teach. So I use whatever that specific dog likes. Some dogs are going to have more of an affinity for toys, some food, petting, you know, there's just each dog to its own. Um, So I'm going to take their motivation and utilize that to teach them the behaviors that I'm looking for. And then once they understand what I've taught them, then when they choose to not comply, that's when I'm going to bring in negative motivation to reinforce the behaviors that they've learned. Mm -hmm. So then consistency being last but not least at all, dogs need their rules to be always or never. Um, again, cause they don't speak English. So we can't say like, Hey, don't get on the couch when you're muddy,
0: <laughs> right.
1: but you can get on the couch when you're clean and just had a bath. That's fine. Right. It's, you know, you're allowed on the couch or you're not. Um, and that, that goes for everything. So gotcha. they need that kind of clear communication from us.
0: Right. And something that you said at the beginning of explaining timing, motivation and consistency is along the lines of, um, dogs are not people, or mm-hmm. apple, how is it that you said it again?
1: Um, that we have a tendency to humanize or anthropomorphize
0: right? dogs. Yeah. So, so along those lines, I thought that was very interesting because, um, and it goes into what we've been talking about since then, with regards to dogs don't speak and dogs don't understand English and making sure we bridge the gap of understanding yeah. and like eliminate any misunderstanding with that. And can you talk a little bit more about, Um, why you're, you're of course are very passionate about it, but, um, for those listening, um, they'll see dog and they'll listen to it, which is great, but it's deeper than that. And I feel like this is a great time to educate. So can you go a little bit more in depth on, um, just the humanization, um, aspect of like why you believe what you believe?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, a lot of it, affects dogs in a lot of ways. When when dogs don't have, you know, they're always looking for hierarchy. They're always looking for pack structure. They're pack animals. So they they need to know where they fall in the hierarchy of the of life of their lives. <laughs> right. So they're always looking for that balance, that structure. And if they don't have it, they become anxious and stressed and they're and they're looking to somebody to tell them what to do. Where's my place? What do I do now? What should I do with this? What should I do here? And and if they don't have a solid pack leader, then they might try to be the pack leader, but they can't be a human pack leader. So then that's stressful as well for them because mm-hmm. they they can't tell us what to do. They can't get us to follow them. Right. <laughs> like, exactly. okay, so where do I fall? What do I do? Um so they, they really thrive off with structure and discipline and just having like solid a solid idea of where they stand and what's expected of them. I mean I always say that that dogs deserve training. Because they really do. They they really just thrive when when we give them what they need, what they're created instinctually to understand.
0: Right, right. I think that's very powerful. And um, so much of the relationship between not only like dogs themselves, um, but dogs and humans is you know very very prevalent in Western culture, mm-hmm. uh, America here where we are right now, and so in some other places as well going a little bit more in depth with the relationship between dogs and humans. Is there anything that you have found to like really speak to you in your personal experience and your professional experience with dogs?
1: Definitely. Um, the more that I work with dogs, uh, the more that I see what the relationship with them can can teach us about a relationship with God. The relationship we can have with dogs is so unique. You know, there's not really anything quite like it. So I think that they're just like a really cool gift that we can learn from in so many ways. And a good kind of example, um, just one example that I've thought of is my dog Inara. She's a little more fearful, a little more, you know, timid and unsure of new scenarios. And, you know, when she's, I mean, I've had her for almost three years now, but when I got her, she was about... 13 weeks old and she had just lived like in a backyard. So she just hadn't been socialized. She just hadn't experienced a lot of things. Right. So she, anything new she was afraid of. And that's very typical of dogs. It's like that I haven't seen before. So it's my instinct to just run away from it. Cause maybe it'll hurt me. <laughs> right. So, And it's very irrational. It's like, okay, that's just a fire hydrant. Or like, that's just like a garbage can lid. (laughs) Like, that's just the wind. (laughs) It's just, you know, random things that she might be afraid of. But it's my job to be like, hey, Inara, this is how you respond. Just, I'm here and I've got you. Just be calm. It's not going to hurt you. Right. And to just guide her through that and be... Her kind of constant in that in that scenario through her fear and i mean that's that's just a i think a beautiful illustration of of what god asks of us um
0: right.
1: to just rely on him and not to feed into our fears but to sit with him and allow him to just still our anxieties thank you for tuning into this episode My goal is to simply educate, and this is the first of many Feature Fridays that will allow me to share what I've learned and what I am learning about dogs.
0: Thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode of Vices and Vultures and considering being a supporter of this project. Even leaving a review on your preferred podcast platform goes a long way for us. There is more information about this episode as well as who we are in the show notes. This includes all of our social media links so you can see us and not just hear us. Vices and Vultures is brought to you by Aesthetic and is based in the great state of New York. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast for more episodes and tune in next time to Vices and Vultures.